0: So, what is a substance use disorder? And what do you need to know about them? Let's find out with Dr. Stephanie Strategus, Medical Director of Emerson's Addiction Recovery Program. This is HealthWorks here, the podcast from Emerson Hospital. I'm Bill Klaproth. Dr. Strategus, let's start with the obvious question What are substance use disorders? Well,
1: substance use disorders are when the continued use of a substance, and this could be alcohol or drugs, causes clinically significant impairment. So that could be health problems, disability, legal trouble, and failure to meet the major responsibilities of life, either at work or school or at home.
0: So then who is most at risk to develop substance use disorders, or SUDs, as they're also known as?
1: So- can develop soothes, but typically addictive disorders do run in families. So there is thought to be a genetic component. Um, Also their personality traits. So people who are more impulsive or danger seeking as a part of their personality might be at more risk. Also people with poor impulse control due to another condition, such as attention deficit disorder, bipolar disorder, who have um, experienced traumatic brain injury, sometimes have impulse control issues that can lead them to be more prone to soods. Um, Also people who are exposed to trauma in their life, such as abuse, domestic violence, war, or other traumatic events from childhood or in adulthood. So for example, healthcare professionals, especially those who work in emergency services, can be more at risk for developing soods. Um, because of the demands of their job.
0: Well, that's really interesting, those who are more at risk for developing suits. What about those who deal with mental health issues? Are they more prone to suits as well?
1: Yes. I mean, in the emergency room, there's also injury on the job, but there's also that emotional trauma. And um, people who work in mental health fields also are exposed to some um, troubling emotional trauma that comes with the job, so they can be more at risk. And also just people who are exposed to the substances. So the statistic is about 8 to 12% of people who are exposed to a substance will go on to develop a substance use disorder. So exposure itself is a risk factor. So jobs, for example, in construction or other physically demanding professions where injury can occur often will lead to that person maybe being prescribed a narcotic painkiller. And that's another exposure. So the more times someone is exposed to these drugs um, or substances, they're also more at risk.
0: Right. So what you're saying is sometimes environmental factors can play into this. So what, what are some of the warning signs or red flags we should know about? So
1: when you're living with a person or dealing with a person who may be suffering from SUDs, signs you might look for are calling out sick from work or school, failing to show up for the usual responsibilities. Um, giving up activities or hobbies that the person previously enjoyed, weight changes, personality changes, accidental injuries, mood changes, sleep disorders, other health changes. Oftentimes, you see um, GI symptoms, so stomach problems, and um, you know, and and if you know a person's using something like alcohol, that that one is kind of tricky because people drink. It's not like someone's using drugs and you know that they shouldn't be, but someone's drinking alcohol and um, sometimes you see it's becoming problematic because they continue to use despite negative consequences, such as legal trouble or loss of a job, um, or you notice that they're trying to stop using but they're not able to quit, or they need to use it in increasing amounts.
0: And then once someone comes to see you, how do you diagnose this?
1: There is criteria and it is um, based on behavior patterns. So these are behavioral disorders. Tolerance alone or withdrawal alone from a substance does not mean that a person has a substance use disorder because this is a pattern of behavior surrounding the substance. So, you know, we would meet with a person. Um, Sometimes we reach out to friends and family. Sometimes those people accompany them to the appointment. And we go through their history and, um, yeah, and basically we find out how the use or misuse of these substances is impacting a person's life. And if there's significant impairment, Mm -hmm. then we can diagnose the substance use disorder.
0: So once you determine that, what are some of the treatment options?
1: Some suits require medically managed detox. So, for example, alcohol and um, a class of medications called benzodiazepines require medically managed detox because detox from these substances can lead to seizure and death. Um, We do recommend medically managed detox from opioids because of the discomfort that opioid withdrawal causes and the likelihood of relapse if the person were to try to do it at home alone. But detox is not considered treatment and it does not provide any long-term benefit. So for long-term benefit, we may recommend counseling, um, 12-step programs, other peer support programs, spiritual counseling through one's religious group if if they belong to an organization like that. Um, You could do individual or group counseling in an organized counseling center. This could be done by social workers, therapists, other mental health professionals. And then we also recommend sometimes medication-assisted treatment. For that, you'd have to see a doctor like me.
0: Okay, so what is that? What is medication-assisted
1: treatment? Medication-assisted treatment is the use of FDA-approved medications to treat substance use disorders. And right now there are multiple FDA-approved medications to treat alcohol, tobacco, and um, opioid use disorders. And there are some off-label uses for medications to treat cocaine and stimulant use disorders.
0: So why would someone consider medication-assisted treatment for SUDs?
1: Well, there is an overwhelming amount of evidence to show that these medications are effective in reducing relapse without medication-assisted treatment, relapse rates are incredibly high, especially for opioid use disorder and also for um, tobacco use disorders as well. So I would hope that people would consider it for that as well.
0: So let me ask you this, is taking a medication to treat suds just substituting one drug for another drug?
1: So a lot of people think that way because some of the medications are opioids themselves. And so people say, oh, you're just taking one drug to substitute taking the drug you were abusing. But my argument against that is that SUDS is a behavioral disorder. So if you're able to take a medication, even if that medication is similar to the drug you were taking, the medication does not come along with the behavioral disorder. So you're no longer unable to work. You're no longer going into debt. You're no longer getting into legal trouble. So if you can stay on that medication and not have negative consequences in your life, re-engage in your life, re-engage in society, then that is a treatment worth considering. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. So speaking of treatment then, what can a patient expect during treatment and how about after?
1: Treatment's very different for everybody and very individualized, but there's definitely hope for those people who do engage in treatment. And I think that the more motivated the person is, the more support they have around them, um, the more hope there is for them to have full recovery and lead a full life.
0: Right. That makes sense. So addiction is such a difficult experience. You were just talking about hope. Is there hope for those who are addicted to drugs or alcohol?
1: Yes. Yes. There is always hope. I find this work really rewarding and that there are really few conditions in the medical field where you can see such a dramatic positive outcome because I've seen people go from literally being brought back to life in the ER and then Mm. in full health and recovery and living their lives in the matter of months.
0: Okay. You just said, you know, I've seen this happen. So can you share a, a quick success story with us?
1: Sure. I mean, I don't know if there's One in particular, but I've definitely, you know, I've worked with certain programs that help women who are pregnant get treatment for their substance use disorders and some, you know, oftentimes DCF is involved and they lose custody of their children. But with treatment, they are able to stay clean and work through getting custody of their children back. Um, I've seen people who were homeless and broke because of substance use disorders consuming their lives, be able to re-engage with work again, and even buy a house. And I, I guess I had one patient who had a um, very successful business, and he relapsed, and he was also on probation and maybe could have gone back to jail. But we got him back on track using medication-assisted treatment, and he was able to save his business. He recently had a baby. And did not end up going back to jail, so that I consider a big success.
0: That is a big success. Well, you just mentioned jail, people that are homeless, people that are broke because of suits. Can you talk a little bit more about how patients are impacted by suits?
1: Yeah, it really does. Um, it does ruin a lot of people's lives, and as you've seen in the news, a lot of people are dying from. Um, substance use disorders, a lot of famous people that, you know, are recognizable, Um, lots of famous cases, but also just tons of people in our communities um, can be devastating. They're horrible diseases. So, you know, the way it impacts people's lives, loss of health. So, you know, every single one of these substances has a myriad of health issues associated with them. So alcohol, tobacco, opioids, Stimulants, all of them um, cause horrible health consequences. They're not good for the body. Accidents and injury, legal trouble, loss of life, loss of job, loss of family and friends, loss of housing, losing custody of children. That's how significant the impact can be.
0: Right. All right. So let's give out some information so people can find help. Where can people go if they or a loved one needs help?
1: Right. In our Emerson community, we just started a new medication-assisted treatment program. Um, and that is over on the hospital's main campus. And the phone number for our program, called the Addiction Recovery Program, or ARP, is 978-287-8167. And then there are other resources in the community. For example, there's an organization called Learn to Cope, and it's with the number two in the middle. So people can look that up for other resources. And there's always AA, NA, Al-Anon, Smart Recovery, NAMI. All of these organizations can help as well.
0: And this podcast will help too because of you. Thank you for your time, Dr. Strategus. We appreciate it.
1: Oh, you're welcome, and thank you for informing the public.
0: Well, thanks, Dr. Strategas. That's Dr. Stephanie Strategas, Medical Director of Emerson's Addiction Recovery Program. And for more information, please visit emersonhospital.org. You can also call the Addiction Recovery Program at 978-287-8167. And if you like what you've heard, please share it on your social channels, and be sure to check out the full podcast library for topics of interest to you. This is HealthWorks Here, the podcast from Emerson Hospital. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.